from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. On an airplane, do you prefer the window or aisle seat? If window, guess what? You are more selfish than other people. Way to go. Well, it, it is the conclusion social scientists came to after studying who opts for which seat. If you're feeling a little angry or defensive right now, that might also be a sign that you are selfish, but don't worry, it also turns out that those who have lower emotional intelligence are more selfish, as are those who go to the gym more, and people who take more time to make decisions, and those who study economics or are rich. There's research that tells us that men are more selfish, but before you start celebrating, ladies, there's other research suggesting that it's actually women who are more selfish, especially when it comes to chocolate. No, I'm not kidding. So what's the conclusion? We're all selfish. Well, all of us except women who don't like chocolate, choose the middle seat on a flight, never work out, make rash decisions, are poor and have an aversion to studying economics. Population of that group? Eight. Yes, I did the research myself, and there are eight people in the world who fit that description. The rest of us, selfish. We are all naturally selfish. Now, you might be thinking, not me. I really care about people. I'm a giver. Just ask my mom. She'll tell you I'm the best. Well, you might want to slow down before giving yourself the Mother Teresa most selfless person in the Western Hemisphere Award, because it turns out we are all selfish, but no one thinks they're selfish. It seems that we are hardwired to not detect selfishness in ourselves. That's been proven too. Uh, Molly Crockett, who is an assistant professor of psychology at Yale University, explains what the research shows, that when people behave in ways that fall short of their personal standards, one way they maintain their moral self-image is by misremembering their ethical lapses. Hmm. She's saying, you lie to yourself, bro. <laughs> you lie to yourself to maintain your cherished self-image of not being selfish. God told us uh, that thousands of years ago, before social scientists were able to prove it at all, he said in Jeremiah 17, 9, he tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. We are all naturally selfish, but it gets worse. It's worse because there's something that stokes our selfishness thousands of times a day. So I, I read an article uh, written in 2007. 2007 was before Instagram, before Netflix originals, before the Cash app, before we'd ever heard of avocado toast. How did we live? Back in 2007, check this, the average person on an average day was exposed to about 5,000 advertisements. 5,000, crazy, right? But the world has changed. We now have increased social media, and influencers, and more games on our phones, and avocado toast available at many hip restaurants. And so how many ads do we see nowadays? They estimate about 10,000. Uh-oh. 
That is, that is not good news for us. Why? Because studies show that the more ads we see, the more miserable we are. All those ads remind us of what we don't have, but think we need to be happy. We are told 10,000 times a day that you cannot have the good life without the new iPhone, the new car, sneakers, or Lulu leggings. The ads all insist, right? You need to get to be happy. Get what? Get that and that and that. Get more. We are conditioned to believe that our lives will be incomplete until we acquire and accumulate more and more. Our culture tells us that it is more blessed to get. But into all this, Jesus speaks a very countercultural message. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Did you get that? Jesus says, you'll be more blessed when you give. The word in the original Greek language translated blessed pretty much means happy. So if you want to be happy, give, don't get. Instead of being a slave to your instincts and purchasing what's what looks good in the moment, think ahead to the blessed life you want to live because you will have more happiness when you become more generous. Uh, what Jesus said 2,000 years ago has actually been proven today. Uh, studies have found that people who give money to charity were 43% more likely than non-givers uh, to say that they were very happy. People who give to charity say 43% more say, I'm very happy. Those who gave uh, money were 34% less likely than non-givers to have felt so sad that nothing could cheer them up and were 68% less likely to have felt hopeless. People who give their time volunteering 42% more likely to be very happy than those who don't volunteer. And these studies are all saying the same thing. They're telling us that if we want to be very happy, if we don't want to feel very sad or hopeless, give. Jesus was right. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we want to be givers, generous givers. I am generous. You may not think you are generous, you know, but, but, but you're, you're not sure. T today, I want to try to help you figure that out because maybe you're like, I, I don't know if I'm generous. I mean, I, I, I don't keep everything for myself. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Okay, I'll help you. Um, or, or you may realize that you're not generous, but want to be, which is, I think, where a lot of us are today, right? They want to be generous, but feel like they can't. A lot of people, they, they, they want more blessing, and maybe they even realize that Jesus says it comes from giving, not receiving. They, they want to be generous and, and hope someday they will be. And that is a great sentiment, and I appreciate it, but there's a problem with it. No one accidentally becomes irrationally generous. Think about the people you know, and you have never met anyone who started tithing, giving God back 10% of their income by mistake. You've never been friends with someone who accidentally started giving beyond their tithe to fund ministries and mission trips and help those in need. You will never hear a testimony of someone who says, I had no idea how, 
but every year I give a higher percentage of my income than the year before. No one ever accidentally becomes irrationally generous. But man, generous is exactly what we want to become. We, we want to obey God. We want his blessings. We want to make a difference. We want to leave a legacy. We want to live out what the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 8. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You'll be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We want that, right? We, we want to sow generously so we can reap generously, so God's grace can abound to us. We, we want to be made rich in every way, be, be so generous that people thank God for us. We want all of that. We want to be generous. The problem is we just don't think we can. Yes, you can, but you're going to have to pre-decide. And that's what we're doing in this series, right? The, the power of decision, specifically the power of pre-deciding, of, of deciding in advance who we're going to be and why we want to be that person and how we're going to do it. Uh, people who are not generous but want to be usually think, you know, when, when I have more, I'll give more. One day, one day I'll be able to afford to be generous. Nope. That, that, that's just not how it works for anyone. It, it turns out generosity is not about what you have or don't have. Generosity is about your heart. And if you are not generous now, you won't be generous later. Actually, if you had more money, chances are very high you would not give more, you'd likely give less. That's according to Stacy Palmer, uh, the editor of the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Philanthropy, what was I saying? Philanthropy. And, uh, and not only if you had more money would you give less, you'd have more problems. That's according to Biggie Smalls. It's true that there's research that proves it, that people who make more give less. Uh, here's reality from a recent year in America. Uh, people who made less than $25,000 a year gave away 7.7% of their income. People made between $25,000 and $50,000 gave away 4.6%. Uh, between $50,000 and $75,000 gave away 3.5%. Between $75,000 and $100,000 gave 3%. Between $100,000 and $200,000 gave 2.6%. People who gave uh, who made 200000 or more, even millions, billions a year, gave on average 2.8%. See, people think they would give more if they made more, but they wouldn't. People who make more spend more. They find more and more expensive things to buy, or they put even more and more money into savings and retirement. They, they, they don't give more when they make more because it was never about the amount they made. It was always about 
their heart. If you're not generous now, you won't be generous later. Jesus told a parable. It's a story with a spiritual point lesson in it. Uh, Told a parable in Luke chapter 12 about a rich man who had a big harvest. Problem, he didn't have enough room to store all his stuff. What do you do at that point? Well, you, you realize that you have enough and so you give the excess away, right? Wrong. That's not what people do when they make more. And that's not what this rich man did uh, either. He says, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Why? did he do what he had always done? Because more money does not make you more generous. More money makes you more of what you already are. More money doesn't change who you are. It just reveals who you are. So if you want to be generous when you have more, learn to be generous when you have less. To be generous later You must be generous now. My guess is you probably agree, but you still may feel like you just don't know how or you just can't. Well, that's where the power of pre-decision comes in. We are going to decide I am generous. It's one of our identity-based New Year's revolutions. I am generous because I worship a generous God, because I follow a generous Savior who is so generous he gave his life for me, because my identity is rooted in Jesus, I am generous. In fact, I realize that giving is not just what I do. Generous is who I am. You are generous, and so... And it's it's just time to start acting that way, to plan it and to do it. That's the thing about generous people. Generous people plan to be generous. Generous people plan to be generous. Generous people don't have to see a need. They, They don't have to be inspired or guilted. They are not reactive. They don't give whenever they have something extra to give. What do generous people do? Generous people have a plan. Uh, Look what God shares with us in the Bible in Isaiah 32, verse 8. He says, "But, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan their generosity, and they stand firm. They do not waver because they have predecided to be generous. You know, when it comes to finances, most people have a plan. Their plan, however, is not for generosity. It's to consume and to spend, to buy, right? We plan for our next big purchase or vacation. If there's something we really want, we'll even do research. Which is the best model? Who has the best ratings? Is it worth the extra $100 to get the five-star rating instead of the four-and-a-half-star rating? We research and plan when it comes to receiving. We, we research and plan when it comes to receiving, some of us more than others, but people who know it's more blessed to give than receive. 
who believe what Jesus said, they plan their generosity. They strategize their giving. They ask questions of God like, how can I give more? Where can I make a bigger difference? Who can I bless? How do I maximize what you have given to me, Lord? It's not spontaneous. It's not haphazard. It's not driven by emotion. Nope. It is intentional, strategic, and driven by a desire to honor God and live the kind of life he blesses. Generous people have a plan. Now, you might be thinking, but I'm not a planner. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not the planning type. Uh, I would argue that you already have a financial plan. It may not be written, but you have a plan. It may not be a good plan, but you have a plan. I'll show you. Here is a typical plan for most people today, and we will call most people Bob. Uh, God provides Bob with money. Bob gets paid, right? And Bob spends it. Actually, Bob probably spends more than it, which is why the average American is $90,460 in debt. If God gives Bob an increase, maybe a raise at his job or, or a tax return or, or extra income from his side hustle selling avocado toast, Bob is on trend, well then Bob will spend that extra money too. It's his chance. He's finally gonna buy that faster car or that slow cooker or that bigger TV, screen TV or that smaller stomach. Lipo anyone? Bob spends what he gets or he spends more than he gets which creates a lack of financial margin which is why Bob finds himself worrying so much about money. Now, Bob will hear about living a generous life. He, he may hear that idea, but he thinks, I can't, I just can't. My, my finances are they're already too tight. And Bob's lack of giving leads to a lack of blessing. He's not, gonna, he's not getting blessed like he could because he's not giving. But Bob would tell you that he doesn't have a financial plan, but he does. It's just not written down, and it's not very good. Bob would complain that he has a money problem, but he doesn't. He has a spiritual problem. He is looking to things to give him fulfillment that can only be found in Jesus. He is trusting in money rather than putting his faith in God. That's Bob. But I wonder, does Bob kind of sound like you? Maybe you live out that same cycle. You know, the, the cycle of um, earn money, spend money, lack of margin, worry. You know, worry about money, right? Earn money, spend money, lack of margin, worry. The, the problem goes deeper because by spending instead of giving, you are investing your money. Check that. You're investing God's money in things that don't last. But look what Jesus said. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you're, you're stuck in a cycle that leads to a lack of margin, lots of worry, a lack of impact on earth, and lack of treasure in heaven. Uh, you may find it frustrating. If so, you might describe what you have as a money problem. No, you don't. It's a spiritual problem. And it's time to break the cycle. How? You realize uh, financial is spiritual, and you choose as someone who is devoted to put God first. And you discover that putting God first with your finances breaks the cycle. Uh, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God is righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. He did not say, um, seek first the Apple TV Plus subscription or, or seek first the new quartz countertops or seek first the latest Jordans or seek first uh, tickets for the big game. No, no, no. We seek God first in every way, including our money. We worship and honor God by pre-deciding to be generous, and we trust God to provide what we really need. So, what is a good generosity plan? Well, God gives us one in the Bible that is powerful, and it's life-changing. It's it's changed millions of people's lives, millions and millions. Um, and it's called the tithe. So look what, what we read in math, in Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, chapter three, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Uh, the Hebrew word translated tithe is mazer. Uh, mazer means 10th, as in 10%, as in uh, bring 10% of what God blesses you with back to him as a way of putting him first in your finances, as an act of, of worship and obedience. Now, you might be thinking, whoa, 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 give 10% of all the money I bring in. There's, there's no way I can live off of 90%. I can barely make it with 100%. I get that. And the first time I heard about giving 10% back to God, I was like, what? There's just no way. I can't afford to do that. I would have to rearrange my life. I'd have to make significant changes to prioritize God and put him first. It seemed impossible. And I think God knew how we'd react and our objections because this is the only time in scripture that he tells us that we can put him to the test. Everywhere else in the Bible, we're told to not test God. But in this one area, God encourages us if we are um, hesitant or, or have doubts to test him. Check it out. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God 
promises he'll provide for us if we put him first. And and then Jesus comes 500 years later and, and he affirms the tithe and backs up God's guarantee to pour out blessing on those who do uh, what he promises, that God will do what he promises if we do what he's asked us to do. Um, the, the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the time, were, were being hypocritical. And Jesus told them that they should tithe, but that they also needed to, to do justice and show mercy and live by faith. Uh, while he was correcting them for their lack of love, he said in Matthew 23, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect Do not neglect the more important things. Jesus affirmed the tithe. He also confirmed God's promise to bless those who give generously. In Luke chapter 6, he says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. I want that. (laughs) Don't you want to get in on God's generosity plan? Well, his plan is for us to give back to him 10%, the first 10%. Uh, We're told in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Do you notice it said, first fruits? Generous people put God first. Um, that takes faith, right? You know, it, it really doesn't take much faith to give God your leftovers. Oh, the, the offering is coming around. Let's see what I got in my wallet. I got, I got a 20. I guess I can toss that in. That, that's not generosity because it's not planned and it doesn't require faith. What takes faith is to give God the first 10%. Uh, Deuteronomy 14.23 says, The purpose of tithing, giving back 10%, is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. And did you notice in uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, that once again God promises to generously bless those who first generously give to him? Now, some might ask, Hey, isn't that kind of a prosperity gospel where people are promised they'll get rich if they give? No, this isn't a prosperity gospel. This is the generosity gospel. There's a difference. Those who embrace the prosperity gospel give to get. Those who embrace the generosity gospel give to give. Will God bless those who give? Yes, he will. He promises he would. Does that mean that everyone who gives will drive a Rolls and vacation in Sardinia and and be crypto millionaires? Of course not. But but God does bless those who are generous. When you pre-decide to put God first in your finances, he promises to open the floodgates and pour blessing out on you. And, And thankfully, what he provides is much broader and much better than just monetary blessings. His blessings may or may not be financial, but God is the ultimate giver and assures us he will prove himself faithful. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So so here's the deal. Here's the plot twist. Um, if, If you make the changes necessary 
to put God first by pre-deciding to create and live by his generosity plan, it will change the cycle. It'll change the cycle. You remember the typical cycle? Earn money, spend money, lack of margin, worry. Spending all or more than we make, being tight financially, living paycheck to paycheck, freaking out and worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying and always wishing we had more money to to give, but I don't have enough to give, is not working for anyone, right? And and it's time for us to break the cycle. When we put God first by pre-deciding to give, To him first, it creates a whole different cycle. The the new cycle is earn money, give money, God blesses faith. Earn money, give money, God blesses more faith. We we decide to trust God, so we give back to him our first 10%. We give God our first and best. We trust God to bless the rest. That rhymed, hey, hey. Hey, we give God our first and best. We trust God to bless the rest. God then proves himself faithful and that strengthens our faith. And this is when it starts to get really powerful because instead of living a life filled with fear, God is building our faith. Faith replaces worry. And as we experience the blessing of generosity, we find ourselves thinking about giving even more instead of wishing we could give something That cycle is one that changes your life and allows you to change the world. And you become more blessed, you become more joyful, more fulfilled. How does all that happen? Not by accident. Generous people plan to be generous. They pre-decide. So let's do it. I am generous. Just like my God, just like Jesus, I am generous. And I want to pray that for us right now. God, you are a generous God. Jesus, you are a generous Savior. Might we, God, help us, God, to respond to your generosity with generosity. God, we want to be generous. We want to give to you first, consistently, uh, generously. And we will, God, we will see you be faithful to us, and it will grow our faith. And our lives will have power. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.